I'm Melissa. This is 30 Over 30, the success and stereotypes conversation with wise words from women for other women. So with me on the podcast today, I've got Kate Ibbotson. She is a professional organizer, decluttering coach, and founder of the Tidy Mind franchise. She's passionate about getting people organized and clutter-free because of its life-changing benefits. And she thinks everyone deserves a home that is calm, peaceful, and filled with carefully chosen possessions that reflect our fabulous selves. Kate Mm -hmm. believes we need to address mental clutter and become fiercely protective of our time. So I'm going to let Kate explain a little bit more about who she is and what she does and why decluttering is so important. So Kate, I'll just pass over to you to give a bit of an introduction. Tell us about yourself and what you do. Okay. Hi. Well, thank you for having me. Um, Yeah. You know, it's funny really looking back because at the time when I started the business, which was 2015, I didn't know whether it was just me who felt like this because actually I was my own first client. So I guess by that, I mean, I was the one with a disorganized home, a cluttered life and just kind of feeling generally overwhelmed. And I don't think it's something really people talk about. I think especially women, I think we, we like to keep face, don't we? You know, we like to say that we're fine when actually it's incredibly easy to get overwhelmed. I think most people in the modern world are overwhelmed at least at some point yeah so for me the act of decluttering my home was the first thing that I did to deal with my overwhelm and then you know that kind of extended to the people in my life and the things that I was doing that I maybe weren't bringing me joy so decluttering and organizing applied to physical things as well as arbitrary things if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and if I found it so life-changing I can't even tell you you know all the personal development that I've done in my life that was the thing that I've been searching for my whole life so I think I just thought this is just it like this is my vocation I have to help other people do this and that's where the idea from the business came from amazing so it kind of came from you discovered something that was life-changing for you Mm. and then automatically you said I need to help other people transform their lives by showing them what I've done was it literally just as simple as that basically yeah um I mean obviously you know you can train to do this so I went through all that and I started my own business which took a a lot of bravery on my part you know it was for me becoming self-employed was scary I always wanted to do it I always wanted my own business to become self-employed throughout my 20s I just didn't have the confidence that you know just it just was not there it's it's a risk I mean anything like that is a risk isn't it and I think the thing that helped me get over it well it was two things I guess the first thing maturing and just you know getting to the point where you think well it's now or never and then secondly just finding something that I was completely passionate about I think I hadn't had that before yeah So it's kind of like you always knew you wanted to do it, but until Mm -hmm. you found something that you cared deeply enough about it, you couldn't join the dots. And so many people say that. And And I was really interested in talking to you just because I'm one of those people who, you know, I love to multitask or I used to love to multitask. And, you know, I do get bored easily. So I kind of constantly need to kind of create and develop new ideas. And that's just kind of my personality. But I started to notice a massive difference when I started to kind of focus Mm -hmm. my thoughts and kind of declutter 
what was going on in terms of, you know, when I was brainstorming, I kind of decided that, you know, I really need to narrow everything down. Yeah. I feel like that massively extends into, yeah, like you're saying, it extends into your environment, it extends into your home and your office. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's quite interesting how um, you can kind of balance those things in a way that I guess your mental space is just as um, Mm. organized as your physical space. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what I find is that the clients that approach us are mainly women, which I don't think is a coincidence because I think women juggle more generally. So the average woman would be juggling all the balls, might be a mum, might not be, but you know, whatever that their life is full, they're trying to keep a lot of plates spinning. Mm -hmm. And the way we work with people is kind of on lots of levels. So it might be actually you physically decluttering your space. Okay, so you've got a home office. It's a mess. It needs decluttering. You need to go through everything. You need to decide what's staying, what's going, and that kind of thing. But then kind of go on to like life coaching side of it, which is part of what I do. And then it's it was talking about kind of what's taking up your mental energy. So like, for, for example, when I was cluttered, I had toxic friends. Yeah. You know, not bad people, but just people who would take away my energy. And really, like all that's doing, it's the same with physical clutter and mental clutter like that. It's just taking you away from what you want to do because yeah. you've got less energy left yeah. for what you want to do. Um, so when I'm decluttering people's lives with them, what the end result is, is just some headspace. And then with that, you then get focus. I think you mentioned focus earlier. You're able to focus and you're suddenly able to figure out what it is that you want to do with your time. And like, like to me, that's just the biggest gift in the world, really. Amazing. Yeah. So that's basically about creating capacity almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Within your yeah. Focus and capacity. And yeah. it doesn't really matter what that is. It's different for everybody, obviously. But whatever it is, you're not going to find it if you've got a cluttered mind and life, I don't think. Yeah. You mentioned the fact that a lot of your clients are women. Um, and speaking mm. of womanhood, when would you say was the first time you embraced your womanhood or, wow, I'm a woman and it's different and it's powerful? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I think when I first hear that question, my initial reaction is to say when I had my children because I had twins six years ago but I think that that's what I feel like I should say (laughs) I think in reality that's not the answer in reality textbook answer but it's not (laughs) yeah exactly that's like I feel like I should say that but actually I think the real answer is when I started juggling both a business a full-time business with being a mother that's what made me think right this is real womanhood now this is the real deal yeah because we do so much women do so much and yeah that's the so much theme. that's the constant theme literally with whoever I talk to it's the same theme that comes up I did this and then I, I suddenly had a change of career and I did and I became this and all the while I then started my own business and then I had a child mm-hmm. and I yeah. think that what you're saying just kind of emphasizes or supports the fact that actually being a woman is about having an ability to just do so many amazing things and I want people to think about that the next time they're kind of having a bit of a rough day and feeling like you know what I haven't Mm -hmm. done enough 
today or I haven't done enough in my life or I haven't I'm not quite where I want to be because I think women are harder on themselves Mm, yeah I would agree with that definitely I mean I know that there are lots of amazing men in the world and everything but I think men are very good at compartmentalizing their life and not feeling that guilt you know just letting that go and I think women are just bigger thinkers really I think you know we're the ones that will think about a friend who's having a hard time should we check in on her or there's something that I need for my child's school play and you know it's it's due in next week so therefore I'm going to have to think about it this week and I think we're always thinking about what other people think of us I think that's a massive thing for women I work on people pleasing every day because that's sort of an inherent thing that's in me that I'm always trying to let go of yeah and that, that takes up a lot of energy well a hundred percent it's kind of like when you first learn and realize that you can actually say no to these things like you know yeah. it's almost like it's so like liberating that it's like oh you know what I don't actually have to accept that piece of work or I don't yeah. actually have to I can set some boundaries and start to say, okay, I need to protect my space now. And obviously having to balance that with wanting to help people and wanting to please people. For me, that was a big thing because you can end up kind of just getting lost in doing so much for other people, I think. Yeah, exactly. And I think we absolutely can say no. I have to say that I do think that it's more difficult for women than it is for men to say no. I really think that a woman can't get away with it as much as a man can and I I don't know if I can put my finger on why exactly that is but I think it's societal I think it comes from deep-rooted norms where women are supposed to you know take things on especially when it comes to looking after people or smoothing things over and I think carer kind of yeah and I think a woman is more likely to thought, be thought of in a certain way if she says, no, nope, you know, I don't have time. I'm protecting my space here. Yeah. Whereas if, the, if a man says it, I think it would be much more readily accepted. So I think we've just got still a bit of work to do. The more we say no and put our boundaries in place, then the better that will get. Okay. So you think it's more about us and the way we respond to these expectations? Mm. Do you think it's more about, oh, actually, well, the more we kind of mm. push back society will adjust and and give us a break (laughs) yeah I think so I think it's coming and I think we've come a long way but I just think we're still more likely to be overloaded I would say certainly from the work that I do yeah I meet a lot more overloaded women yeah yeah what you do is really quite unique but would you say there are many women that do what you do I'd say it's almost all women who do the job as well as the clients Okay. So yeah, it's a very female dominated industry. Mm-hmm. I think because I suppose kind of, if you think about it from a traditional way, the home and kind of looking after it is normally more likely to be in the woman's remit. And I think, yeah. you know, organization and labeling and all this sort of stuff, it's kind of a traditionally female industry. Yeah. And also what I do tend to find is that men will say to me, what like do people actually pay to for that service like they're yeah. they're incredulous some of them just yeah, like think, wouldn't understand yeah. why on earth would I need that but yeah that that just goes to show doesn't it the difference it does I think it speaks volumes and then you know when actually yeah. say say their partner has used the service like they'll very often come round and they'll go 
that is actually really good but it's sort of after the event yeah they kind of like oh I noticed a difference in the way x y but it'd be hard in the first yeah I thought so so in terms of challenges that you faced in your career or even sort of maybe before you started the business your experiences within the workplace did you face any specific challenges that were maybe female related yeah I mean I do I know this isn't exclusively female related but I think I have a big challenge with being an introvert and being an entrepreneur at the same time yeah because I am both so I'm introverted you know I'm I need time on my own I don't particularly like networking I find it very draining like mentally draining even though I enjoy it I find it very tiring yeah so and I feel like actually as a woman you're kind of like even more supposed to be you know again people pleasing and kind of making sure that everybody else is okay and obviously as a business owner you've got to put yourself out there and that's absolutely what you have to do but yeah it's a really big challenge you know just marrying up the two things because actually kind of just want to be at home in my pjs if i'm totally honest with you (laughs) yeah and i guess it's that being able to be yourself people a lot of women do say it's harder to be completely yourself because yeah um, i guess people are a lot less accepting yeah of not the negative sides but you know anything about you that's kind of just makes you you whereas i think if a guy was but if a man was you know had some certain traits or Mm -hmm. qualities that were not necessarily favorable or positive people are more willing to say okay that's just the way he is that's just the way he expresses himself that's his whereas I think women find that it's a bit more of a challenge to entirely be themselves yeah Um, I think so but I think I think what I've learned over the last five years is actually it's okay for the room to include people on different spectrums so some people are loud some people are quiet some people are in the middle and that's great because imagine if everyone was loud or everyone was quiet, that would be really weird. Yeah. And not a good thing. So I I don't know. I think maybe it's like I've had this issue in my mind that maybe everybody should be loud and that's how that's how you should be. Yeah. So but but that's not true. And I think that I've just had to get over that as um a trait that it's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah, and then obviously you've got people who are in the middle, like I'm yeah. an example of an, an introverted extrovert. You know, yeah. I moments where yeah. I put myself away, and then exactly. at the same time, I can be in the middle and front and center stage. So it is perfectly possible to have yeah. all of those dynamics working together. Yeah. If you came across someone who kind of was dealing with a toxic work environment, or they were in a job or in a situation mm-hmm. where maybe they weren't as accepted as they would like to be or Mm. um, their differences weren't very celebrated what advice or what hack would you give Mm. them for dealing with that well you see with this I really think that we need to have these difficult conversations head on because I think toxic environments thrive on people ignoring them and allowing that to happen and I think the more we confront these things and like the braver we are about that then the better it you know it diffuses it and it's really difficult I think to have these conversations about that sort of environment it's scary you have to be so brave but I think there are ways to do it there are ways to bring it up without being accusatory towards another person so 
I think, you know, let's just like, try and take some of the the power and the fire out of those situations. I'd say that would be, you know, the number one hack. And you sometimes you can't. And I, I'm a very visual person and I just use a visualization technique when I can't get out of a toxic situation and I am... Um, I imagine blowing a bubble, you know, like a huge bubble. Mm-hmm. I imagine blowing that up and blowing it around myself. So yeah. I've kind of got this like force field around myself. Yeah. And I use that when, you know, just, just when I've got a toxic situation or when I'm with somebody who, whose energy doesn't kind of gel with mine. So I think yeah. energy, uh, you can get energy repelling each other. And it's not necessarily that either of that, them is a bad, bad person yeah. or anything, but that can happen yeah I use the bubble analogy that's what I do well that's a really good visual I think representation of yeah because again it's all about your space and um, yeah and keeping it yeah just I guess keeping your energy free from negativity Um, exactly you don't have to take that on you know I have done so many times in my life just taken on energy from other people and it's uh it's not good because you're then at the mercy of of situations yeah. that are completely beyond your control. Yeah. And then it completely affects how you feel. It can ruin your mm. day, week, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And can you name any essential sort of resources and books or, or podcasts or, or just anything at all that you think mm. would be useful for anyone who maybe decided that they wanted to be a life coach or anything in that vein? Well, I mean, somebody who I'm just absolutely obsessed with and I just love to bits is a lady called Brené Brown. I don't know whether you've you've listened to any of her stuff. She did an absolutely like a massively popular TED talk. Um, And Brené Brown talks about the power of vulnerability. Okay, Um, writing that down. It's incredible. She's written books as well. But basically, you know, she talks about the fact that in order to achieve true belonging and be completely comfortable with yourself, you have to be vulnerable. You have to show your real self sort of warts and all and not try to hold it back. And it's only then that you can kind of, it's all about being authentic and and being yourself and it's not easy to do. And it's something that I just wasn't taught when I was a child. And I think a lot of people aren't. It's the British stiff upper lip thing, isn't it? You know, pretend we're okay. Therefore we will be okay. But actually that's just the worst thing you can do because you're not living a whole life when you do that. It's so funny you say that because I notice a clear difference when interacting with people from different nationalities. So say for instance, I've got one or two American friends and they are completely different in their approach to exactly what you just said. So they are so much more likely to kind of own their mistakes, own their flaws, yeah. even like the things that they're embarrassed about, things they're not proud of. And yeah. that for some reason, you know, for whatever reason, it makes them more relatable. But then like, even somebody was saying the other day, I can't remember what conversation it was, but they were talking about how powerful it is when somebody can be extremely nice and professional. But mm. then when you kind of, overstep your boundaries as far as they're concerned Mm. they can turn it around and be very firm and be direct about the fact that they're not okay with that or this particular thing has rubbed them up the wrong way and he was talking about the fact that they can you know that contrast of being firm and assertive but then also like giving absolute love and being respectful Mm. the rest of the time makes you respect the fact that they have boundaries more it's a bit of yeah. a weird, I guess it's more of a psychology thing I suppose but it's yeah. just 
so real though and I think as well as those two things American people tend to be not afraid to shout about their successes yeah and in general British people if we do there's this thing about oh well she's a bit big for a boost isn't she yeah so it's kind of like, why can't you just be who you are? Why can't you just be, I'm not doing very well at the moment, or I am doing really well at the moment, actually, or just kind of somewhere in between. And I feel like, yeah, just to show up and be seen and just... Yeah, and whether that's shouting about your successes yeah. or actually owning your failures, both are just yeah. as valid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think we've just got a bit of a way to go, really, within the British culture. And yeah, I mean, Brené Brown just explains it so succinctly and, you know, she's just this hilarious woman from the deep south in the US and she just, she's brilliant. Um, And the other podcast I really like is one called She Means Business by Carrie Green. Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah, so Carrie Green started the Female Entrepreneur Association, which is a membership website for Mm -hmm. female business owners. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brilliant. And she's just a very open, generous woman. She's down to earth. She's totally normal. Yeah. She's done really well for herself. But she's just a massive, she shouts about female success so much. And, you know, you could just imagine being friends with her and that she would always have your back. That's how she comes across. And I think she's like your virtual best friend kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think there are still some women in the world who aren't women's women who who aren't necessarily happy when other women do well and you know I know that's just insecurity and everything and it's not doesn't make them a terrible person but I think it's a real shame actually I definitely don't think it's easy to be a woman who kind of goes out on a limb and says I'm gonna start my own business or I'm gonna Mm -hmm. I'm gonna create my own thing and, and I'm gonna talk about it and I'm gonna create my own media and be the face of it I think it's very difficult to do that as a woman without yeah. kind of getting those looks of like who does she think she is yeah definitely and yeah I've had that a lot and it's horrible and it makes me you know question everything I think now I think I've moved past it and I just think you know whatever but actually I just think it's really sad so it's almost like I think some people think if someone does well it's going to lessen their chances of doing well yeah and it's just, that's just not true. I mean, for me, I think that if I surround myself with people who are doing well, I'm more likely to do well. That's how yeah. I see it. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer and I've always been like this. I've always been a sharer. I've mm. always been someone who wants to like get information, but also give it as well. So like if someone says to me, you know, where did you get this from? Or how did you go about doing this? Then I will... I'll get the mandate out and be like, well, here's the manual. This is what I did. And because sometimes you perceive things a certain way, you you expect to get the same from other people, but not everyone is open to sharing because what they don't realize is that actually there's enough space for everyone to succeed. And there's, you know, there's more than enough room for people to succeed, even in the same industry whilst being themselves. And I think people find it difficult to grasp that concept. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's it. And I think that's why I like Carrie Green so much because she's been so successful, but you can tell that she genuinely believes that anybody can do it. Mm. And that's just, I just find that really sweet because like, of course it's not that easy, but she's just really positive all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so this question is an interesting one because 
it's a different answer all the time, depending on who you ask, obviously. And um, so for me, I turned 30 a couple of years ago. And when I look back at that time, um, it was like, oh my God, this is an amazing monumental age. I've got to do something. I've got to kind of like, you know, I've got to make it memorable. But I always ask, how did you feel about turning 30? Was it something you remember or, or was it just another day? Was it just another age? Was it just another birthday? Or I guess, did it signify a, a, not a turning point, but did you feel like, okay, this is a milestone and I attach it to some specific emotion? It's quite a long time ago now because I'm 38 now, but I remember it was so clearly. I think, unfortunately, it was probably, there were more negative things than positive things for me because I think it just felt very loaded. So it felt like I should be doing this, that and the other. And it felt like, right, pressure now, the pressure's on now, which, you know, looking back, I wish that I hadn't felt that because it wasn't like that. I was just imposing that on my, on myself. So that was my own doing really. But, you know, a lot of it was to do with having children. So I was desperate to become a mother at that point. Yeah. And it was kind of like, when I look back and think about it, I think it was more about what I felt like I should be doing than what I actually wanted to do. I don't think I was ready to do, to become a mother until probably kind of 33, 34. And I, you know, I became a mother at 31, but it was like, yeah, this kind of invisible pressure all around me. Yeah. But it was just me. It was, it was, was all like, internal. It was like an yeah. internal projection of doom. Yes. It was. You know, it's funny. Cause like, to be honest, I feel like as women and, you know, just like we talked about earlier as women, we put so much pressure on ourselves and then society puts extra pressure on us. But then mm-hmm. I felt like, that age is the kind of, it's the peak point of pressure. I, yeah. it's the peak point where you're like, oh my God, I need to have done this, 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 and this. You know, you start to create this feeling of panic within yourself. And yeah. I saw it so much in people around me. And I kind of also felt it myself. That was the point at where I was like, oh wow, like this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And that sort of triggered the conversation that I then started having with people, which then resulted in the book which then resulted in the podcast so it kind of it wasn't about that area but it was it it was kind of the catalyst for thinking about oh wow there's a real you know there's a real kind of imposed expectation that women have both on themselves and from other people so that's kind of what started the conversation for me or that was the point in my life where the conversation kind of started for me but it's interesting because you're looking back now and you're saying well actually all the things that I was thinking about didn't really exist I just kind of visualized it because I felt like that was what it was meant to be yeah exactly and you know the other thing that I did massively around that age which I try not to do so much anymore was comparing myself so I would always compare myself really really to everybody that I would meet and just run through a mental checklist have they got on the housing ladder have they got children have they got a husband um what sort of have they got a big group of friends what are they doing with their work how much money have they got in the bank and just like you know kind of even if I didn't know the answers to all that stuff just kind of hypothesizing about it and what I wasn't asking myself was are they happy am I happy so are they doing yeah. Love? yeah exactly are they do they you know have they got a connection in their life are they 
are they connected to themselves? It wasn't about that. It was all about, you know, what have they got? Which I think looking back is is sad because obviously, you know, n- none of that stuff actually does make you happy anyway, necessarily. And I always I always go back to this. Um, there was a guy called Baz Luhrmann wrote this song and it had loads of speaking words in it. I don't know if you remember it. And um, in the lyrics in that song, they, one of them says, the race is long and in the end it's only with yourself. Do you know what? So, I probably have heard of it because I'm really big on songs. So I, it's probably something that I've heard of, but then didn't never really yeah. um, registered. But yeah, how true is that? Mm. How yeah, true? in the end it's only with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you think your age influences the way that you set and achieve goals now? So like obviously rewind eight years and it was all about mm. what do I think I should be doing and what's everyone else doing yeah in terms of where you are now how would you say the way that you set and achieve goals has changed I think it's much more about what is it that I actually want now rather than what I feel like I should be doing or should be having and I'd say my my focus is much narrower now I've only got about four or five people that really you know are that important to me in my life because I just think you don't I personally don't have the the mental capacity to, to have invest a in a lot of people you know I just don't have the time or the energy for it so yeah. so it's just very like it's a lot simpler I would say now like for example you know I, I need to I need to get outside in nature a lot and I need to earn enough money to keep my home, obviously, but I need to just invest in my immediate relationships. And like I said, there's only about four or five of those in my life. And then I just need to spend time with my dog. And that is literally it, really. Yeah. It's so much simpler. Yeah. And I wasn't going to ask this question because it's not actually really um, sort of part of the conversation, but it, it made me think of someone. And I thought, well, how would someone who is involved in a lot of kind of voluntary charity kind of work or in terms of involved in helping people as much as they can, how can that sort of person just take Mm. a bit of time for themselves and just kind of rein it in and and reduce that field of energy that they take on? Yeah. God, I mean, you know, I just think somebody once said to me, you know, all these things that you're trying to do, all these balls that you're trying to keep in the air. Yeah. Um, she just said to me, if you're not okay, they're all, they're all just going to fall. Yeah. You're not going to be juggling anymore at all. You're just going to fall. So they're all going to fall. So it is, it starts with you, doesn't it? You have it's to prioritize yourself kind of thing before you can yeah. really. Yeah. Else. yeah. Definitely. But I think, you know, finding out what it is that, you need or you know whoever needs to nourish themselves I think it's different for everybody yeah and it's probably more internal than external so it's probably not money or kind of physical things material things handbags or whatever it's probably much more primal than that it's probably about having a sense of purpose Mm -hmm. having a belonging your close family and friends and just you know having basic need your basic needs met like eating healthily and having a roof over your head and drinking water you know just I'm a big basic needs yes awesome and slightly kind of um different direction but what's the most sexist thing you've been told ever I really love this this quote actually it, like I think it's the sexiest thing ever 
So this quote, if not you, who, if not now, when? So, you know, when you're scared, yeah. uh, fear and stuff, I repeat that quote to myself. I just go, if not you, who, if not now, when? Because mm-hmm. somebody once said that to me. It's just, it's sort of like get over yourself kind of thing. Yeah. You know, when you're fearful about taking the next step or like I used to get scared about making phone calls. I know that sounds daft, but yeah. I don't like picking up the phone and making a phone call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're just like this is just so silly just do it so you're a texter <laughs> yeah, <definitely>. <laughs> oh, yeah yeah like my phone rings and I just stare at it going I don't want to answer this yeah yeah but yeah it's I guess it's about being brave yeah. and being sexy isn't it you know what's so funny every time I ask that question mm. it's assumed that it's what's the sexiest thing you've been told, but it's actually the most sexist, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. And I'm going to have to change it now because that is absolutely what I read. I'm going I'm to change. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to change it. And I, and, and do you know what I think, you know, I think, I think sexiest is cool because yeah, the last <laughs> few interviews I've done, people have told me the sexiest thing they've ever been told. So I'm going to keep it. Uh-huh. I love that. <laughs> Amazing. And if you could give a Ted talk about a feminist topic, what would it be? Yeah, I think it would be about working like a woman. So I read a book recently by Mary Portis called Work Work Like a Woman. And she was talking about how it is still so much harder for a woman in the workplace than a man. I think if you take it down to a primal level, women are the ones who have children, not men, most of the time. So we are at a massive disadvantage in the workplace. There's no doubt about it because, you know, we, we have to have, if, if we have children, then we, we have the child. Um, so I think there needs, there needs to be more allowances for that, I guess. And just, you know, this whole, yeah, this whole thing about men feeling like they don't want to take extended paternity leave. Because I read an article the other day where a man was talking about taking it and his mates were all laughing at him and just being like, Oh, you know, you can't do that. And, I just thought, yeah, that I bet that is rife. I bet there are so many men who yeah. wouldn't do that. I don't think we're there at all with that. Yeah, no, I think that definitely needs, but obviously I haven't um, had any kids yet, but I do see, and it's something that I have seen time and time again, where it's like, mm-hmm. you can see that really two people obviously need to be together at, these, at the early stages to kind of go through this thing together. And it's, it's a shared responsibility. And why should men be made to feel um, yeah. like they're not doing their job? Um, yeah. Just because they want to take extended paternity. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and no. also, why should women be made to feel like a liability? Mm-hmm. Because that a lot of the time is probably the only way to do that is to talk about it, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, just to like, just to go back to this, this woman, Brené Brown, who talks about vulnerability, she notices it the most in men. So this whole thing about men having to man up and be a man, I think it's really damaging, you know, having a son myself, I, I do worry about it, because that's not it's not good for, you know, a young brain to think of it. Yeah. You, you can't show your emotions because if you do, you're going to be seen as weak or wet. Mm. And I think that that's, that needs to change because yeah. that, that's what I mean, like going off on a tangent here, but that's why there's so much male suicide because men yeah. need to talk about their emotions more. And I guess it just needs to be not seen as a 
female trait. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're making massive strides in mental mm. health in terms of conversation, but there does need to be more specifically around men. And yeah. I've seen that over the years as I've kind of interacted with different people and worked mm. with different people. And you can kind of see when you meet someone that you know needs a little bit more. And obviously yeah. if it's a male who is not used to speaking openly, you can kind of tell sometimes, can't you? You can sort of tell sometimes mm. when you meet people that need to have more open conversations, but because they weren't encouraged to do that, they struggle yeah. to kind of open up. So yeah, definitely more on that topic. And how do you define success? So these days I define success as having balance in my life. So not, I guess, like not doing too much of any one thing, being able to have a day that involves peaks and troughs, So, you know, a bit of time for myself, some work, some exercise, some time spent with the people that I love, something fun, you know, so having just all the elements in a day. Yeah. But all the elements that give you peace and not the elements that that are completely consumed with achieving and targets and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I sometimes do this thing because I'm a bit of a paper diary girl. So I've got, I have a planner. So I, I get a different colored highlighter and I highlight different things in my diary according to what sort of thing it is, you know, like work, self-care, looking after my children. Yeah. And I just, and then you can see if it's about an even amount of colors. Okay. So it's really effective. Yeah, it's good. You should try it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely going to try. No, I'm I'm going to try a lot of your. Um, <laughs> you've got loads of tips in here and loads of like references that I'm going to go back and have a look at. So I'm I'm going to ask you uh, what your most hated word in the English language is. It's <laughs> it's it's got to be should. Mm. Don't like the word should because it's loaded with expectations from other people and that's never going to make you happy and what you should like if you think that you should do something that is basically probably not something that's going to make you happy yeah and it's so like it's so unintentional as a word as well isn't it it's neither here nor there yeah exactly people say it all the time and don't mean anything by it but I think when you say it to yourself you know, you should catch yourself. I just said it then. <laughs> I think the best thing would be <laughs> to catch yourself saying it and go, hmm. Maybe I yeah. shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Awesome. And last question I'm going to ask, but by far not the least, who's the first person that springs to your mind? when you hear the word success and why? I'm going to say Ariana Huffington. I love her. So I love this. So Ariana Huffington. Yeah. Start- oh, yeah. The Huffington Post founder. Yeah. yeah. Started the Huffington Post, obviously incredibly successful woman. Now she's doing this thing called Thrive, which is a website. I guess you'd call it a movement. And it's really about women like thriving rather than surviving so mm-hmm. she she talks a lot about sleep she talks a lot about self-care being healthy and she experienced burnout 
when she was at the height of her career and, you know, like nearly didn't come back from it. Yeah. And now, you know, she just, she's completely passionate about actually thinking about what actually makes us happy. Like, you know, forget all this, you know, should, like we should do this, should do that. What is actually going to be the best for our contentment? And that's what Thrive's about. And the website's brilliant. I'd recommend, you know, and everybody taking a look at the and website. Thrive. Yeah, thrive.com. Yeah. Amazing. But as someone who's achieved the amount of success that she has had, is it fair to say that she could take a step back and she could kind of sit down and, and, and reflect on, I need to take mm. care of myself because she'd made it? Or do you think that a woman who's kind of still climbing the corporate ladder or who's trying to build a business from scratch and, and, and find mm. her way to the top, do you think that a woman like that can just kind of take a step off and say, actually, no, I need to care for myself. And my, even if everything stops or suffers for, you know, for a period of time, it needs to happen. I think what she was basically saying was that none of that success made her happy. So I think like basically what she was saying was, you know, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I don't even think she particularly thought it was a good thing that she achieved all that success I don't think it made her happy and I think what she's saying is is it worth it okay so I think that's what we need to be careful of because my mum always said to me be careful what you wish for and I think that's so true I think you've got to think about what it is you actually want out of life and if it's you know loads of money and like and success and recognition and everything then that's great but I think a lot of the time that isn't what we want yeah it's so, more, more the feeling associated yeah. with things sometimes um exactly the reality okay. of those things sometimes we're not seeing it for what it is so yeah yeah agreed yeah and she also talks a lot about having a sense of purpose so I think no matter what it is that we all do I think if we've got a true sense of purpose whether that's if you know if somebody's a nurse and their, their sense of purpose is you know to look after to take care of people when they're unwell or whatever that is then that is the thing that's going to keep us going and that's going to make us content so I have that first and then everything else flows awesome okay well keywords that kind of stick out to me after having the conversation with you are declutter obviously (laughs) focus yeah energy yeah Yeah, and I think Mm -hmm. those are all like super important and Great to have you on. So we'll catch up soon and have yeah. a lovely evening. Yes, lovely to speak to you. Awesome. Take care, Kate. Thank you. If you liked this conversation, then let's continue online at 3030 Book. Tell a friend to tell her friend because that's how wise words get heard. You can find out more on www. 30over30.co.uk and you can find me at Melissa with an A on Instagram.